Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Trust us ahead, Mr. Sulu. Take us out. Mr. Spock, every minute brings that object closer to Earth. I need you. I am convinced we are inside a living machine. Shall I go to battle station, sir? Insatiable curiosity. Spock, you haven't changed a bit. You're just as warm and sociable as ever. <laughs> I hope we got this one off to a good start. I hope so, too. Hello and welcome to Smash Pod. Now this is going to be a bit of a different episode this week because um, usually we talk about Bond-related things, but just for a change and to celebrate the fact that Star Trek The Director's Cut has emerged on 4K, looking very lovely, we thought Paul and I, Paul Litchfield, hello. Hello, John. We thought we'd get together and talk about Star Trek The Motion Picture. Oh, I'm so glad you asked me to do this. Oh, me too. Oh, man. And you gave me a lovely little disc, didn't you, a couple of days ago? I did. And, um, cool, blimey, they cleaned that up lovely. Mm. And some extra little bits and bobs. Yeah. Some extra special effects. Now, what's your relationship with this film? Because my one, certainly, when I was was young, is I ignored it completely because I'd had it in my mind that it was very boring. Got you. So, I would say... um, Also, I was... Because normally, whenever we do this, I'm normally expecting your standard smash... Uh, intro, mm. um, and I was then racking my brains this morning, going, "How can I link um, Bond into Trek?" Mm. Almost like you know, if you do that sort of um, six degrees of Kevin Bacon game, mm. um, and I work one out, re- and I rack my brains for ages, going, "God, it's so hard to do." And then the most obvious, most plausible thing happened. Yeah, and the best way to—I mean, do you, do you think you've got a link? If no, you no, about it? I don't. All know. Right. 
So I was like, God, how can I get from hither to thither? And then I suddenly went, oh my God, it's so obvious because Shatner and Nimoy were both in Columbo. Ah. And Falk also did a Columbo with Billy Connolly, hmm. who did Mrs. Brown's, uh, not Mrs. Brown's Boys, no. the film, Mrs. Brown with Judy Dench, Mrs. Brown and there's your, there's, there's your M. There's your M. There's your M. It's wow. really easy. That is easy. Well done. Yeah. I was like, mm. well impressed with that. Yeah. I've not been busy, John. But you haven't been very quiet. Um, but, but to answer your question, my mm. relationship, I don't think I saw, I think I get, a, similar to Star Wars, I think I saw, when I saw Star Wars, I saw um, Empire before Star Wars. Mm. In the cinema. I'd seen it on video, but I, um, I was too young. And similarly with um, motion pictures, 79, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, I was I, I was six. But I think I saw it on video a little bit older, but I, uh, my, one of my fondest memories is in 1985, which is the year after the third Star Trek film, Search for Spock, mm. where my local cinema in Plymouth, the Drake Cinema, played all three in a row. Oh, my God. And I watched it with my dad, and even my dad went, I'm going to have to take a six-hour walk just to, <laughs> just to have a break. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's a monumental amount of uh, um, sci-fi to sit through. There is, yeah. But I do remember absolutely loving it. Ah, oh, well, I was more of a Wrath of Khan kid because I just of thought course. this was just dull, dull, dull. But now... I know, now... Now, I, I think it might be up there with Wrath of Khan. I think it's amazing. Oh, I think one, two, and three in a row is just a beautiful mm. thing. Um, it's such a different film, isn't it, one, to all mm. of the others in its look and its um, just in everything it was. Um, I mean, I, I remember when they first showed... Uh, I was doing a bit of research. When they first... Um, showed the rushes for the final film before they literally rushed it to be released. Mm. Um, there was only two notes, which was long, boring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which I could so see as a kid, you'd be like, when's anything going to happen? But it's, but it's the intrigue that uh, I love about this. It feels like proper sci-fi. And it feels like it's the only film where they actually do, that I can think of, they do a running captain's log throughout the film. Yeah, and like they an even have the sting. They even have the buh, mm. buh, when he does the thing. Mm. Um, I still find that weird, because I've probably seen motion picture now about 20, 30 times. Mm. I still, f what, what's great is, I still feel that intrigue. Yeah, absolutely. And that's an amazing thing, isn't it? Yeah. To still feel that. Yeah. Oh, but I, I wanted to do, if you don't mind, just have a little chat about how this bloody film came to be. Please. Because I mean, I mean, you probably know all this, but for those who don't, mm. um, I'll truncate it. But I mean, essentially, uh, it's like 1974 or five. Star mm. Trek's been off the air for years. Mm. I mean, there's been nothing. Yeah. But in America, they're just rerunning it. They're rerunning it for years and years in and years. In syndication, yeah. In syndication, and mm. um, it's so popular. And also, it's the first time where fans are doing almost like a comic con thing just mm. for Star Trek. Mm. They're turning up and dressing up. And all that sort of stuff. Um, it's going mental. Um, and the and because of the animated series and the original series, they're producing loads of toys and merchandise and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, Roddenberry, obviously, is looking at this going, I really want a piece of this action. Mm. But it's not getting any money. He was looking through the window of a brothel. <laughs> At Spock. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I really, I really, I remember a T-shirt in Chicago where I went, went to Chicago, and there was a picture of um, Spock in sort of S and M gear, and it just said, "Beat me up, Scotty." 
Nice. And I was like, wow, this country's incredible. Anyway, so hmm. Roddenberry really wants wants to like to actually get total buyer of the rights. Yeah. He wants to do a George Lucas hmm. and make some money. Um, and at the time, the studio offer him what uh, they say you can have everything for one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, but he doesn't have the cash. Uh. And it's now worth four billion. Wow. <laughs> the Star Trek Empire, you know. Hmm. So, um, so TV stations are begging for new episodes, but you know, um, it turns out about four years after Star Trek, the original set's been trashed. It's gone. Of course, they completely yeah. destroyed it. the The original Enterprise model, which was like a sort of four foot model, is now on loan at the Smithsonian. Yes, and they can't get it back, which is hilarious. <laughs> so they're all going, "Look, we need a new thing." And as you know, they they want to come up with something brand new. Mm. Um, but. So Roddenberry in 1974 writes a script, and it's called The God Thing. Yes. In which he has a scene in which Kirk, you probably know this, mm. Kirk has an actual fight with Jesus on the bridge of the Enterprise. That's right, yeah. That sounds, that sounds great. Jesus! <laughs> that sounds great. I'd like to if he was, you know the end of Star Trek 3 when he says, you are really getting on my nerves or whatever. Yeah. I want him to say to Jesus, you are really making me cross. Oh, man. Good. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, it could have just been solved with a Vulcan neck pinch, wouldn't it? On his stigmata. Also, when he knocks out Jesus, it can turn into like a a Venusian shapeshifter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Easy. Yeah. Or back then in the 70s, um, if Jesus was on the cross, he could have been like a weeble. They wobble, but they don't fall down. So you punch him and he comes back up on the cross. (laughs) Great. Rocky could come in and train with him. (laughs) Lifting him up over his head. (laughs) Jesus is going to put me down, you bastard. So they're thinking, like, what can we do? Roderick's like, I want to do something. So I want to write a movie. He calls it The God Thing. They look at it and go, no, it's awful. Mm. Because they're like, you write TV, you can't write a movie. And he's like, well, I can. But they go, no, you can. And then there's two years of endless scripts. Endless scripts. No, you can't. Yes, I can. (laughs) (laughs) So this is, which would have been sung either by Shatner or, uh, you know, Nimoy. Or Nimoy, yeah. Yeah, because they both had independent music careers. They did. Didn't they? Yeah. So they're constantly going back and forth with loads and loads of scripts, but they all have to pass through Roddenberry, who hates every single thing. Mm. Um, he wants to write a series, but Paramount um, um, think maybe a movie, but they're like, oh, maybe a movie's too ambitious. So they go, let's go right back to basics. So they're going to call it Phase Two, as mm. you know. Yeah. Thirteen one-hour episodes is what they want to do with Star Trek. Problem is, Nimoy won't do it. <laughs> yep. Nimoy's immediately pissed off. And it wasn't, it wasn't because he was coming back as Spock. He was so annoyed again, weirdly, with um, it's a money thing. Hmm. Um, Spock's image was being used for like, adverts and toys, and he wasn't getting a dime. Yeah. In fact, there's a lovely little clip on YouTube you can find of um, Barney Rubble and Fred Flintstone advertising Choco Flakes dressed up as um, Shatner and Nimoy. Unbelievable. It's that tied in. It's hmm. like mental. And he's not getting a dime. So they just go, oh, well, you know, uh, it's going to be hard to do it without Spock. But they're like, well, no, the franchise is bigger than Spock. Hmm. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, yeah. it's not. As they've proved over and over again by bringing it back. <laughs> <That's> the, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and he's shit. And then he's quite good. Then he's shit. Oh, mm. no, he's really good. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Just, oh, it's unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so... Roddenberry then, t- uh, oh, they go to a guy, he's called Frank someone, but I always forget his last name. I think it was Frank Livingstone or something, something like that, mm. who's like a proper New York Jewish writer. Right. And he come, he takes the idea of Roddenberry's um, Know Thyself 
um, so um, a god thing and writes know thyself in which the enterprise wants to go and find a super intelligent um, human being that wants to make its wants to meet its creator which mm. is essentially motion picture yeah, but also a bit of Final Frontier as and well. also Final Frontier as well, which obviously yeah. Shatner parks in the back of his head. Yeah, you know. Um, so um, this guy Frank, they give him a bit of money and they say, "Can you write it?" He does, and they go, "Gosh, we really like it." And then Gene Roddenberry grabs hold of it and rewrites it, and they go, "Oh, we really hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely hate it." So it's now 1977. So 1974 is the germ of the idea. Three mm. years have now passed. Star Wars comes out. Yeah. <laughs> And they're all like, oh, oh shit. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then, and then of course, Close Encounters, the third kind comes out. And they're like, oh. So Paramount immediately goes, do you know what? Fuck phase two. We're not doing a TV series. We need to compete with the film industry now. We need to make a massive movie. Mm. But there's still no Spock. Nimoy's still refusing to play ball. So now they go, well, we'll just have, we'll just have a new Vulcan. And we'll call him Zon. Mm. X-O-N. Do you remember the name of the actor who went up for it? No. No, but he's in motion picture. Oh, is he the other Vulcan? No, they give him a... That That was my first thought. Mm. Yeah, when they go to the space station that just gets... Right at the beginning that gets blown oh, up right. by the Klingons, he's mm. the captain. They gave him something to do. Oh. And there's test footage of him doing all this, like Zon is going to be the next Nimoy, you know. Um, so they're desperate to make a movie. Carry Zon. What a carries on, <laughs> carries on. Star, oh no, don't. No, no, no. no. Star, it would be Star Truck, mm. Captain's mm. Log. Literally, be a bit of wood. Well, no, it'd be flushing the toilet and Sid James going there. Can't leave that a minute. <laughs> That'd be the Captain's Log. Yeah. Um, so the head of Paramount at this point is Michael Eisner. Mm-hmm. He looks at the original TV pilot and goes, "I really like this." And then Gene rewrites it and he goes, "Now I don't like it." Mm-hmm. <laughs> So he goes back to the original writer and says, can you make something out of this? Which he does. And the concept at the time is they, Star Trek, Star, Star, Star Trek I think has always been the thinking man's sci-fi, isn't it? It's, oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Up that's until always like been the their last thing. 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. That's always been their thing. Hmm. And so they, they really like the, Eisner likes the look of the script and they get Robert Bloody Wise to direct. Mm. He of Sound is, of Music. He of Sound of Music, but mm. also Day the Earth Stood Still, Andromeda Strain. West so he's Side got Story. Form, West Side Story, but yeah. he's got form in mm. sci-fi. Mm. And um, and then it's Robert Wise that goes, "What? You, sorry, did you just say Nimoy's not going to be in it? And they went, no, no, he's not in it. we got the guy called Zon. And mm. so even Robert Wise goes, yeah, if you've got no Nimoy, you haven't really got a film. No. He's possibly the most popular character, really. Mm. And they're like, oh, okay. But this Paramount goes ahead. And they have a release date immediately. This is 1975. They have a release date now of December the 7th, 1979. Right. And they are congratulately obliged to do it. And if they're one second late, they'll get fined. Wow. They're literally like, so they're like, this is what we're doing. So now, now they take the original writer's script, which was written by this guy, Frank, that has been butchered twice by Roddenberry, mm-hmm. <laughs> which they now try and convert into a, a movie script. The original writer says, I will do it on one caveat. Gene Roddenberry is not even allowed to put a fucking full stop on the script. He's not allowed to do anything. And they're like, we agree. Give him some money. He writes the script, decides to send it to Eisner. Eisner's in Paris Mm. promoting another film. 
the only recourse is to go, well, I don't know how to get this to um, Eisner. So the original writer sent it into Roddenberry's office to his secretary. His secretary intercepts the script, gives it to Roddenberry. Oh, my God. Roddenberry rewrites it, <laughs> then sends it to Eisner. Eisner comes back going, this is an absolute piece of shit. Why did I hire you as the writer? Oh, my God. He's like, but I... What? I wrote a really good script. And he's like, this is awful. Roddenberry fucking rewrote it again. He's such a dickhead. He's, I know, but apparently I didn't know this at the time. He's got drink problems. He's doing a lot of coke. Okay. He's starting to have real problems. And he's also writing terrible to, scripts. He's writing shitty fucking scripts. <laughs> it's his baby, I think. And he, I think the whole thing is he always felt like Starship was being taken from him. Oh, he felt that um, until the day he died, didn't he? Yeah, absolutely, mm. absolutely. I mean, you know, he, uh, in the end, he, they just gave it... I think at the end of Motion Picture, they just made him like a script consultant or something, yeah. and that was it. That that was all he had. They pushed him up into a big office. But anyway, principal photography starts shooting in um, 1978, mm. the, but the script, because it keeps passing between Roddenberry and, this, and the original uh, uh, writer, mm. the script isn't officially finished yet, but they start principal photography. They also go... We need to redesign the Enterprise, we think, because it's, yes, it's not been seen since the original series. Mm. They used to use a four-foot model. They now want a big 12-foot model, and they want to rejig it up. Mm. Give it something, whether it's go faster strikes, whatever. They just want to make it look, you know... Big dog mm. or something. Yeah, big old cock on it, yeah. you know. Yeah. Big pair of balls under the nanocells. Mm. Whatever they're after. Yeah. So they're, they're trying to do that. Then come the script rewrites, which are coming every day for, into the studio and now down onto the, onto the um, sets where they're filming. But every single script that gets sent down to the floor gets intercepted by Roddenberry. Oh, for fuck's sake. So he rewrites them again. So now they're getting new lines like every four hours and nobody knows what the fuck is going on. Then they realise, oh, actually, um, money's a bit tight. And they'd originally asked... Um, industrial light and magic to do all the effects yes. because they were so impressed by mm. close encounters and 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 they went no no we're really busy so they go with an advertising company that did one seven up commercial that they like the look of mm. <laughs> that looked pretty but they did and end they, up with john dexter though didn't they? at the end yeah mm. but it turns out that literally like a month before the film's about to come out the special effect guys that they hired went yeah, I don't think we can do it. <laughs> and they all went, what? What the fuck? And they all got intercepted by Gene Roddenberry and turned into a script. <laughs> and Gene rewrote them. He was just putting everything through his typewriter. <laughs> it's just utterly insane. So Robert Wise at this stage is going, sorry, are we shooting a film where we don't have the complete script yet or the new scripts keep coming in? We don't have an ending yet and you don't have anyone confirmed to do special effects. Uh, Robert Wise since said it was um, it was it was the worst film he ever worked on, mm. which is such a shame, really. It is a shame. He does such but a good job. I know because Gene is still interfering. Yeah, um, he's still interfering. Um, Roddenberry's sort of like micro-producing everyone, driving everyone crazy. So the original writer then comes back into into Paramount and he oh goes, God. "Look, I want ten thousand dollars a week to finish the script, but no Roddenberry." which you've already promised, but he's already... And they go, yes, of course, of course. Roddenberry immediately rewrites his script, so he quits. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so there's now no ending. They're now desperate for an end. They don't know how to end it. They're that desperate. I mean, this is desperate. They then turn to Shatner and Nimoy and go, have you got any ideas of how to end it? Mm. They both go, yeah. They both start now writing an end to the, to the film. 
giving themselves the bigger parts of course. <laughs> to get more money. <sighs> so now you've got the original writer, Roddenberry, Nimoy and Shatner all trying to write it. <laughs> all yeah. trying to get more screen time. It's now nine months to opening. Mm. Nine months. You've got the two head writers fighting. No finished script. The director is obviously having like major fucking wobbly, like, for fuck's sake. Mm. The special effects team now finally goes, yeah, we've only done one special effect and that's the probe. And they all go, what the fuck? Then they get the lawyers in saying, well, you're congratulately obliged to release this. They've already got posters up. Oh my God. But they haven't finished the script. Jesus Christ. It's unbelievable. They, uh, some guy said on this documentary I worked, um, he, he said that by this point, they'd wasted $5 million. They've wasted $5 million. They've wasted $5 million. They got one minute of shit special effects. So the lawyers are going mental. And literally, it's the assistant assistant producer that comes up with the idea of Vija becoming one with the creator. Mm. Paramount absolutely go, what the fuck are you talking about? This is nonsense. Mm. But it's Robert Wise that goes, I fucking love it. So they make it. They go, yeah, that'll do. And that's literally how it happens. And it's a great idea. And it's a fucking great idea. Anyway, budget gets tripled. Um, mm. It costs $45 million to make. Wow. What did it but make in the box office? $139 million, the highest grossing original series Star Trek film ever made. That makes sense then. Yeah. Mm. Abs- just unbelievable. Unbelievable. So there you go. A little bit of how it happened. But, oh. oh, I love that. Thank you. I didn't know any of that. And the film print was still wet when they took it to the theatre for the premiere. Wow. It was that close. Because it was so like... turned on. <laughs> <laughs> well, the costumes are very tight. They certainly are. And the ending's a bit saucy. But we'll get to that. Oh, yeah, we'll get to that. Because what I love most about this is if, if you're going to hire Jerry Goldsmith and he's going to have oh. an absolute magic wand, which he often did... Oh. I like that they've given him a little bit of space time to do his little Ilias theme. Does his little sweet. Oh. It's beautiful, isn't it? It's absolutely beautiful. And to be honest, the Enterprise theme, which we'll get to when they tour mm. around the Enterprise, that is a love theme. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is a love theme to the ship. And we discussed this briefly on Twitter with mm. um, someone. The, the, uh, there's a missing character in Star Trek 1, 2, and 3. Mm. Um, well, actually, it's not missing. It's the Enterprise. The Enterprise is, is another character. Yeah. It's integral to it. They lose that sense, I think, of the Enterprise as the films go along. And especially in Next Gen, mm. they sort of almost don't give a shit about it. Like they, they crash and they smash and one just, oh, there's plenty more letters in the alphabet. Mm. Oh, fuck you. It's yeah. the Enterprise. It's like a thing of beauty. Mm. And you really get that oh. in this one, um, which mm. we'll get to. But we first of all, because we, we're watching the director's cut, oh, the director's we cut. get sexy new gold titles. It's beautiful, isn't it? They're all shiny. I really like it. Oh, it's lovely. And it's so fitting with motion picture, because motion picture is a long, ponderous film. Yeah, a lot of people compare this to 2001, which I kind of get a bit, but I think it's got... Because because it's an existing franchise, it's more it's more of a kind of welcome-back party, if you like. It's a welcome-back party, and maybe mm. they, in hindsight, would all go, maybe we chose the wrong film to do that with. Yeah. But I think they were so happy and excited to go, look, we're back. And, the, I mean, the thing is, the the audiences fucking loved this film when it mm. came out. They absolutely adored it. Yeah. Yeah, and also, you've got this, which we'll get to, but you've got this beautiful new Enterprise model, and I'd show the oh. of it all the time if I could. It's just <laughs> so beautiful. It is stunning. Because they've come it? from a TV series where they had that four-foot model, but it looked dreadful for most of the time, because obviously it did, because it was 1968 or yeah. whatever it was. 
Um, but now they've so got all this technology to hand, so yeah. But now, now it's a twelve footer. Yeah, it's got a lot more detail on it, right. and they all love. <laughs> um, but well, the first thing I love about this film, which comes into it a lot, is the V'ger theme, which Jerry Goldsmith chose chose to use on this instrument called a blaster beam. Yeah, and you sent me a little clip yesterday of the blaster mm. beam in action because I didn't know what the hell that was. Yeah, and if anyone doesn't know, it's basically like a big sheet of metal. It's mental. It's really a great instrument because it combines aluminum, which is a soft metal, with magnets and strings, bronze strings, and it's, uh, it's you know, just a, a real rich sound. It's so otherworldly and, re- and also slightly scary. It is quite scary. It used to if, you scare to, if you listen to the soundtrack on earphones, it's always that bit of the... is really mm. weird. Mm. What I love, though, is the very beginning, you get the lovely... Star Trek suite, and then it immediately segues Jerry fucking Goldsmith, mm. genius, mm. into the Klingon, which is just the best fucking theme ever. And also, because you're kind of, I mean, especially me as a kid, because I avoided this one, watch the other one, the Klingons turn up, and you're thinking, oh, Klingons would cause trouble in this film. They immediately get murdered. They immediately get murdered by electricity. Yeah, and they've got the old Klingon birds of prey. Before it got and they redesigned. Look so beautiful. Yeah. They look so beautiful. And even when they when they charge up their like photon torpedoes, because they got the little hole in the front, you can mm. see the little glow at the beginning as it's charging before it goes Doo! It's based on and Gene it's... Roddenberry's cock. <laughs> before you went Doo! It's so lovely. Fires out bad scripts. <laughs> um and we also get the space station that's kind of watching it all happen with the lovely name, the Epsilon Nine. The Epsilon Nine, yeah, Ooh. which is the same space station that they know, which we've covered when we because we've already talked about Wrath of Khan. Yeah, it's the exact same space station that they, they turned the other way round. Ah, they stuck a few extra bits on it and turned it the other way round, and then they had their uh, thing that gets oh, blown up. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Um, so the Klingons get killed. Epsilon Nine see it and report it, and then meanwhile we cut to Spock is having his colonar. He's having his colonar, isn't he? And that doesn't mean they're going to put a probe up his bum and look at a monitor. <laughs> Why are there big lumps of jam like scattered around on, on, on Vulcan? Because we're watching the director's cut where, again, this big has been heavily cleaned jam. up. Because I remember the original, this looked dodgy as fuck with all the optical effects and stuff. Yeah, well, it was Chutney in the original. Basically, Basically yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, but luckily, the film's been preserved. <laughs> hey! <laughs> How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Yes, Bob is is he's, he's got a bit of a hippie haircut. He's got a trippy dippy haircut. He's in a big long robe. He's hey man, and he basically does that sketch from the Fast Show where they're like, "Well, Spock, you've reached your colonar," and he kneels down. <laughs> then he's like, "I'm sorry, I've come," because he's he's detected this entity up in space. Yeah, um, again, there's always that sort of slightly sort of magic thing that I always go, "Well, didn't every Vulcan also know that, or is, why is it just Spock?" But that doesn't matter. I think it's because he's half human, maybe. Ah, uh, maybe, possibly. Well, yeah, because he can't, that's why he can't do Colin R. I like mm. the way she goes, well, you're not ready, and she just drops a necklace on the floor. Yeah. And she fucks off, and he immediately picks it up. Now, if it was me, I'd be like, fucking hell, put it on. I've done Colin R, mate. Mm. I've done it. Look, here's the fucking necklace to prove it. Completed it. Yeah, but he yeah. don't. He don't do that. So, meanwhile, at Starfleet, oh. we meet Admiral Kirk. Oh, wow. Uh, oh god, he's so beautiful in this film. His entrance is beautiful. <laughs> he really is he really stunning. Is. Everything about him. He does so many facial mannerisms and vocal uh, mannerisms in this film. He just he like, looks. Oh. He looks like someone had taken a like a really shaggy old dog to to um, to the and and he's been clipped and he's been washed because mm. his first entrance is coming out of the shuttle. You yeah. just see him in the little uh, window and then it opens. And he just looks like a Great Dane. A really majestic Great Dane. <laughs> he looks beautiful. He bumps into Sonak, who's going to be his new Vulcan sign officer. Science yeah. Officer, and says, report to me in one hour. And he said, I intend to be on board the Enterprise myself. No, the... Even Sonak's like, I can imagine. Yeah. Sonak says, that's great. I look forward to meeting you. I can't wait. <laughs> so, meanwhile, Kirk bombs a bead and... Bombs a bead, beams he a bombs board. a bead. He bombs a bead, and he meets Scotty, who is by his, you know, by his measure, is looking very svelte. <laughs> yes, he is. Yeah, mm. 
He is. And he's so infinitely fucking proud. He's full of oh, pride. Love it, love it. I love it. And he's all he, he's doing loads of little just glancing at the captain like, do you mm. like what I've done? Do you like what I've done? Do you like what I've done? Because we've got a new, well, we've got a newly refurbed Enterprise, basically. It's been rejigged, modernised. And they take this time, which just wouldn't happen now in any film, where they, it's nearly seven minutes. No, this would never, I tell you now, this will never, ever happen in a science fiction film ever again. Ever? No. Where it's literally going, look at the Enterprise, everyone. Look at the Enterprise, everyone. Isn't it beautiful, everyone? Look at the Enterprise, Cut everyone. Cut back to Scott, uh, Kirk and Scotty in the little pod, smiling. Oh. Cut back to the ship. Doing an, an unnecessarily long tour around the ship. Much better if they started bumming each other. <laughs> and they were really worried about this scene yeah. because because it is so long and it's all about the ship and when they were originally lighting it they went this still looks like a 12 foot model shit this looks really awful and they were like how can we how can we get that sense of scale they didn't really know what to do and apparently one of the um um one of the guys there went if we just dim all the lights that makes the ship look bigger in scope anyway and then we'll use strategic spots of light and that's all it is it's little spots on it's different so bits it's so beautiful and it's all done with dental mirrors apparently wow they used a beam of light and they positioned dental mirrors around the model because then when a tiny bit of light just goes on the underside of the aft nacelles it just looks bigger and it's so beautiful it is absolutely beautiful it's so be- and it's literally the whole Jerry's thing is literally just like like masturbating about the Enterprise. It's yeah. amazing. Kirk tells Scotty that um, we need this ship operational in a few hours because there's a situation. Obviously, he's been briefed on the vessel as we yeah. come, you know, the Vija, and um, Scotty's a bit like, "Well, I, I can't do that." And he's like, "Well, you have to." Tough shit. Yeah, and then then Scotty's always like, "I'll do it for you, Captain. Mm. I'll do it for anybody who'll give me a hand job. I will." <laughs> so he's he, well. Kirk has orders from Starfleet. Basically, he as he, he, when he met that science officer Sonak earlier, he says, "I'm going to go and have a meeting with Starfleet." Yeah. And, and as it turns out later on, he's basically said, "Look, if I can have my ship back, I'll go and sort this out for you." Do you, Do you think it would have been more pleasant for the crew if he just maybe um, let? the crew of the Enterprise know before he arrived what was going on. Because so. essentially he just marches on board and goes, I'm taking over this fucking ship. And everyone's going, why? And he's like, just shut up. <laughs> when you get that great line where he says, they gave her back to me, Scotty. They gave her back to me, Scotty. Mm. Oh, man. So yeah, I as know. you say, he arrives on the bridge and everyone's like, Captain Kirk. And it's the one time you get George Takai smiling at William Shatner. Yeah. Um, and and then you get the bloke from the T file adverts who's not so happy about this situation. Who's <laughs> the bloke from the T file? This is this bloke with a giant head. Oh, is that about the giant head and the weird like contact lenses? In? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I I always thought it was um the kid from the mask. He looks a bit like him. Yeah. He looks a bit like the mask. But he's like a Decker fan, isn't he? Because he's the only one who goes. Well, I'm sure Captain Decker won't yeah. be so pleased to see you here. Yeah, I bunk up work. with him, you know. Yeah. Massive knob. Huge <laughs> great. Yeah, uh, and so, so Kirk says, "Well, where is Decker?" And everyone goes, "He's in engineering." He's in engineering, of course. Um, so he goes down to see him, but before he does that, uh, he pops in to see how the uh, teleporting's going. Uh, what? Not oh, going too well. God. That's, that's just the most disturbing scene in this entire film. One of them being is... a new Vulcan science officer Sonak. One of the Sonak who's only mm. going, oh, I couldn't add them. Mm. And suddenly they both turn up half inside out. 
I want to see them screaming. They're screaming. I'd like them to be it'd be a plate of mints with fake teeth and eyes. Because <laughs> they go, he goes, Kirk to enter and a, goes, and a pot noodle with a moustache. <laughs> that's all. That's all that survives. <laughs> it's horrible that bit. It is because you hear these horrible, unworldly they're screams. screaming where the molecules are just unfusing. And he says. Kirk to Starfleet. Yeah. How, how did that go? And they're like, well, they didn't live very long. Yeah. Looks like a fucking omelette, Captain. Yeah. 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 What What came back didn't live that long, mercifully or something. It's mm. like, oh my yeah. god, that seems so. I don't know why they tagged that into the film because it's got nothing to do with the the idea. Is the Enterprise is not been properly shook down and I think there are different out. ways to do that. Like maybe a pipe yeah. comes out of the wall exactly. or smoke comes out of a thing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Melting. One of them goes, hang on, this 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 chips I have, I haven't got any salt on. Oh, the mm. replicator's not working. No, hang on, I know, I know what we'll do. Let's turn two people inside out. What well, a fucking <laughs> scene from The Fly. It is, but it's the screaming. It's the... Yeah. Even Nurse Rand is like, okay. Yeah, Nurse why Randy nurse, more like. Why have they got Nurse Rand as well, also operating the teleport? Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Get down the fucking sick bay where you belong. Yeah. You can't have her tinkering around with shit. She don't know. No. Jesus. Scotty would be livid. Yeah, well, he would. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he goes to see Decker and then says, Captain Decker, nice to see you. By the way, I'm taking over the ship. Yeah, and Decker's all like, all right, all right, hang on, hang on. And he's a bit like, fuck you, mate. I fucking know this shit. You don't. He says you haven't logged a... Sp- he says it later, doesn't he? But you haven't logged a yeah. space... Space Star date. in yeah. six years. What have you been doing for six years, do you reckon, Kirk? Uh, sitting behind the desk, but that doesn't seem like a very Kirk thing to do, does it? It doesn't seem like a Kirk thing to do, no. What we know about Kirk is that he likes riding horses and climbing rocks. So he probably does both. He probably was riding horses up mountains. Yeah, there you go. Three horses he, he lost in one week. <laughs> I was going to say, he, he killed 73 horses in, in six years. I think it's time we got him back behind the sparship. <laughs> At was one point, he tried to put them on stilts. That didn't work. And then some aliens turned up making noises because all the horses are extinct. <laughs> then one day, he tried to save some money and beat the horses directly to his... <laughs> Inside out horses. Good news is the saddle's all right. <laughs> Stirrups are barely burnished. <laughs> but good, there's other good news. We sold the lot to Bostick and they gave us 100 quid. <laughs> um, but he gives Decker some speech about you know I my experience has got me here. Yeah, five years out in the cosmos, yeah. strange new worlds, all that. Mm. I'm the best man, and mm. Decker's like, you little fucker, mm. you little fucker. And also, he says, not only Decker, you know my first officer. Now that oh, Captain Adam has been killed, mm. you're my science officer as well. Well, he says, can we Jeez. get another Vulcan? And it's a bit like that bit in Die Hard, and it's like we're going to need some more FBI guys, I guess. Yeah, well, you know, we've just so killed you're... a Vulcan, and he goes, "No, we we haven't got any." And he goes, "Well, you know what to do, it, Decker. You're my new science officer." Well, yeah, Decker's like, "Jesus Christ!" I tell you what, you're giving me two jobs. I'm basically a double Decker. Hey, hey! And so then Kirk <laughs> briefs the crew on the cloud. Yeah, and while they're watching what's going on, like a live feed, Epsilon Nine gets vaporized. Yeah, and this is where you get the guy who was going to be Zon. They give him a little bit to do. He's the commander. Yeah. He's the one going, well, we're under attack, we're under attack. And then they get fizzled by electricity. That was all done with um, electricity in a Faraday cage, apparently. Oh, really? That special effect, yeah. Oh, that's they didn't know how to do it, so they built this electricity thing in a Faraday cage, and mm. it looked amazing. Problem is, it was arcing out apparently 12-foot like, <laughs> bolts Jeez. of lightning. 
to the degree that when they were filming in the studio, it was interfering with LA Airport with their planes landing. Oh, Jesus. So they had to do it at strategic times, apparently, because it was interfering with genuine aircraft. Bloody hell. But that electricity effect they use pretty much throughout the whole film. So it's when the Klingon ships get destroyed. It's very effective. When Epsilon gets destroyed. And mm. it's the same effect they use with the brilliant bit with the probe when, when Vija's probe comes into the ship. Oh, that yes. column of oh, yeah. light. Yeah. Oh, anyway, we'll get to that. Mm. But after all this, we meet Lieutenant Ilya. Uh, and Decker's like... Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and she's... And she's like, well, yes, we held hands once. Hmm. But then I found out that in real life you were a sex offender. Well, I like the, I like the way that Uhura goes, she's a Delton. Hmm. And we're all supposed to go, holy shit, what does that mean? And then basically, like, Benny Hill's little... <laughs> turns up yeah. with no hair. And you're like, well, what's, what's the Delton do that's different from... Well, they oh, can when, heal, we find out later. Well, they can heal. Apparently, in the original script, um, Deltons can give off the most powerful sex pheromone oh. that drives men crazy. Is that why when the first thing she says to Kirk is, um, yes. I'm, I'm celibate? Yes. <laughs> I think that is it. Or maybe it's just because he's Captain Kirk. Because he's Captain Kirk. She literally, hi, we're pointing for duty. I'm celibate, by the way. It's because if you extend the shot out, he's got a massive boner. He's literally pushing the captain's chair down into a table position, like, <laughs> putting stirrups on it. No, I'm celibate. Captain, oh, um, cancel that sex swing order. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, and Decker. Um, we should possibly mention the slight elephant in the room. The guy who plays Decker, yeah, uh, has since been found out to be a, a wrong and. Oh, is he? Is he yeah. a nonce? Yeah. Oh no! Oh, what a shame! What a shame! That's Aww. why Ilya doesn't want anything to do with him anymore. That's one of her other abilities. Yeah, she knows that in real life. <laughs> He'll later be condemned as a nonce. Yeah. yeah. That's he, your Deltons. He's the one dodgy thing about this film, sadly. Oh, is he? Oh, shit, mm. I didn't know that. Yeah. But to bring some much-needed levity to the film, we're hearing that one, all the officers are now able to beam aboard, but there's yes. one officer oh. who won't bloody do it. Oh, but I love this bit so I love much. it because Bones turns up looking like he's just been touring with Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. <laughs> got a big bushy beard, a medallion it's and an amazing. open neck shirt. It's amazing, isn't it? It's incredible. It's almost as good as his outfit in Wrath of Calm when he brings me a birthday present. Oh, fuck. What's he's that about? disco suit. Yeah, he's in like yeah. double denim disco leather. <laughs> but in this, he just turns up. I, but it's such a beautiful, so, nuanced, lovely thing. That's the Him thing. refusing to take the um, teleport. Well, no wonder, because fucking half hour previous, two people got turned inside out. He yeah. might have been the next in line. He'd certainly be DeForest after that. <laughs> I love it. And then mm. and then he's like, God damn, this and that and that. And there's that beautiful bit where mm. he, he just basically goes, well, I need your help. And he basically goes, Starfleet drafted me. Yeah, he goes, well, I got drafted. Didn't. And he also says a thing said it this way. And he goes, why is it always a thing? Yeah, always a thing. And then Kirk, again, Shatner, when he, he's capable mm. of doing the most beautiful acting, just says, just turns to me and goes, damn it, I need you, Bones. I, I like, need I you. I need you, Bones. Damn it, Bones. I need you. Bad. I need you. Oh, it's so beautifully done. Oh. It's so good. It's mm. so fucking beautiful. And then immediately Bones does that lovely, well, I'm off to find the... Bloody! Barber. I'm after. Yeah, I'm after the barbers. 
he's off to find the medical thing and it'll probably all be goddamn computers. Or something. And he's probably got one of those cucumbers wrapped in foil down his trousers. <laughs> he smuggled in half a pound of hashish. <laughs> he, looks, he looks so funny, though. I love it. I know, I know, but he's so. It's such a. He, Bound Heart has the less screen time of of the of of the three amigos in that mm. sense. Mm. But every, every little bit of screen time he has, he just fucking does so beautifully. He's so brilliant. He's, he's so such a well written character. I, mean, I, I know yeah. it's a bit like this in the series, but in this film particularly, he's Kirk's relying on him to be his kind of moral compass, isn't he? Definitely, and also mm. he's that lovely counterpoint between him and Spock, and you get that in this film, which then continues throughout the original series films of the antig of the uh, that's the antagonistic relationship he has with Spock. Yeah, adores him for his work ethic, but can't understand him and all that you green blooded stuff. It's all there, isn't it? Mm. It's and also it's only Bones that can talk to Kirk on a personal mate level. No mm. one else can do it, and that's throughout the films as well. He can just go, "You're, you're being a jerk, mate." Mm. And Kirk will just go, okay, all right. You're being cool. a Black and Decker jerk, mate. <laughs> Which I don't want to know what it is. That's what writes in. Um, but talking of which, they go out uh, and they're just about trying to sort out familiarity with the new Enterprise and then they enter yeah. the wormhole. Which is a bit fun, isn't it? It's kind of fun. Um, I like the effect of the tunnel on the screen. Hmm. The whole sequence goes on far too long. Way too long. We're and the also... fact that it's slowed down makes it seem even... All that like, stuff. Cancel that order. It's all that sort of stuff. But you do get a vital bit of information where Kirk sort of could have killed them. Yeah. Because he they says, run into an asteroid. There's an asteroid mm. in the way and Kirk mm. says, blast it with... Um, Phasers. Not the to- phasers, not mm. torpedoes. Mm. And then Decker says, belay that order, mm. sorts it all out, and then says, if you did that, it was all tied into the ship's ladder, we would have blown up. And yeah. he's like, oh, okay, maybe it's really good to have you around. Ah, oh, it's a great scene. He takes him to his it's quarters so and good. says, why did you counterman? You know, why yeah, did you counterman? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Embarrassing. And then he explains it to him. And then he goes, you were working in our best interest, of course. You saved the ship. Yeah. Definitely tells it like it is. And then says, I really fucking need you around to tell me these well, things. Well, he says, stop there's a little, there's competing a little bit with before. me, Decker. Yeah, stop competing with me. Mm. There's a lovely bit before where he's trying to find a turbo lift and he's going the wrong way. Mm. And and one of the ships goes, oh, it's that way, sir. And you just see Decker clocking him like, he really doesn't know this ship. Yeah. Oh, man. It's so beautifully done because he's the right man for the job, but it's a brand new enterprise. He doesn't quite. Oh. I trust you will nursemaid me through these difficulties nursemaid me mm. that's such a loaded yeah oh mm. nursemaid me and then Decker goes off and sees Elia again yes and basically oh, says, if only you were 20 years younger let me shine your head oh. they do a bit of that later don't they they do a bit of head shining yeah <laughs> uh, but she basically says you know we haven't seen each other for a while I fancy yeah. you you fancy me lovely everything's great yeah so then, meanwhile, Bones tells Jim that he's using this situation to get the Enterprise back. Yeah. Yeah, he tells him like it is. He's like, mm. hey, uh, he says, do you know what? Maybe you are a bit unfamiliar. Maybe you are just being a bit egotistical, you prick. Mm. You're using this horrendous incident to take control of the Enterprise again. Mm. But he also shows him something, and then he has to say... He speaks to someone on the, the video, because you get Ahura um, telling him that someone's trying to bolt on board so they can enter the Enterprise. Yeah. And then he has to say, viewer off, which I think could mm. avoid, you know, you have some embarrassing incidents of that, couldn't you? 
Well, a bit earlier you went vision on, you watched mm. Tony Hart, but um... that's beautiful. <laughs> look at the gallery, and then we get. I mean, it's so beautifully done. Mm. It's the way they drip feed your main three protagonists, and then suddenly you get Spock's entrance. Yeah, and you get Chekhov like, oh, it's you. And Spock mm. immediately just goes, just cock blocks him and walks away. And again, yeah, you get that Kirk type entrance where everyone's like, ah, oh, Mister Spock, it's great to see you. But instead yeah. of being like, hey, he's like, I don't know any of you are. Couldn't give a shit if you're all live. Couldn't or give a shit. Yeah, yeah, he's just pure logic at that bit. Mm. They're all staring at him. They're so happy when he goes onto the bridge and he's got his little black cloak on. He looks yeah. so cool. Looks like um, something out of Hamlet. Yeah, he definitely looks like, mm. I have news for you, my liege. Mm. Except he's like, I have news for you, my liege. Um, everyone gets up. Uhura gets up. Um, Chekhov gets up. Sulu gets up like, yay! And he's like, fuck off. Uhura with a big afro. <laughs> Well, yeah. Love it. Big afro. She, she looks big great. Afro. Does not interfere with her communications. She can hear nope. perfectly. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, but Spock comes aboard and he fixes the warp drive. He does because they couldn't warp properly, so he fixes it and they go to warp seven immediately. Well, he's a ship's officer and he, he mm. knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. And you get that lovely moment where it does go to warp drive seven. Oh, and everyone looks Kirk. at Kirk and he does the wink. He does the cheeky wink. Oh. He does the little wink. Mm. It's so beautiful because it's his family. It's his mates. Mm-hmm. It's so lovely. So then they go to Kirk's ready room quarters or whatever. Oh, this is another beautiful oh, scene. And every, every, and every uh, Spock's explaining things, Kirk's like, Will you sit. please sit down? Ah. Hmm. Oh. He says that while he was on his homeworld undergoing his ritual, he felt a consciousness that he believes emanates from the cloud. Yeah. And it makes him unable to complete the ritual because his human half felt an emotional connection. Yeah. So Bones mentions that Spock... Well, if Bones says, oh, it's lucky we were going your way, which I love that scene. That's lovely. And then Spock leaves, and then Bones goes, Jim, do you think... And Jim's like, what, you think Spock might put his emotional needs before us? Yeah, he jeopardised the crew for his own ends. and goes, no, it's Spock. No, He'd Spock. never do that. Yeah, he, hasn't, yeah, he hasn't seen a pair of boobs. <laughs> he didn't do anything. Um, so then, the Enterprise intercepts the energy cloud. <laughs> and then Spock suddenly goes, I reckon there's something in the middle of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I reckon that's got a chewy centre. If you know what I mean, mm. and and he's actually pointing at Bones's arsehole. <laughs> <laughs> but the chewy cl- centre, <laughs> the cloud fires on them. Yeah, well, and it, it would. basically like knocks out seventy percent of their shield immediately. I know it's a lovely little um oh. blue blue orb. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? It's red great. bulb goes on. Yeah, oh god, yeah, well that's too. And Chekhov gets burned and starts screaming like a little baby. Yeah. Also, did you notice this is this scene that I noticed for the first time ever that the bridge of the Enterprise has two turbo lift entrances? No, I didn't notice that. It does. Mm. I was utterly amazed because I always thought it came up right dead centre at the back and that's where mm. he came out. Mm. Not at all. There's a bit where they go to red alert during this bit with the mm. probe and you see two sort of like um, non-crew members rush off in one direction and then they tur- in one turbo lift and a turbo lift open on oh, the opposite. Wow. It's got two. It's got two. Bloody hell. Maybe just in this film though. One goes to Costco though to be fair. <laughs> they all came up with big trays of giant muffins. One goes straight to Poundland. Yeah. What do you think of their costumes, by the way? So a lot of people don't like their look, but I think it's beautiful. I think they're okay, but I much prefer when they get the naval. Myers Hornblower look. Yeah, when one. they get when they get naval and fighty. 
But I kind of yeah. like the first one, how clean everything looks. The Enterprise is clinical and white and... No, I um, agree. I think this film is perfect, but... And the, they've got this weird, like... They don't have a belt, but they've just got a massive Flap. buckle. Like, well, they've got like a buckle. A like, suit. It's like a fanny pack. Like, they've got mm. a bum bag on their tummy. Mm. <laughs> Also, though, I bet Shatner was pleased because can you imagine him in like Star Trek Five, in that romper suit? Oh Jesus Christ! It'd be he'd poking like, at his um, ready room. Yeah, he'd look like George Dawes, wouldn't he? <laughs> well, they only keep it for that film, don't they? That sort mm. of blue, white, cool sort of clinical look. Yeah, I mean, I do like it, but I think you have to keep in trim. Like Scotty. By two was too big for one of these things. Well, Scotty, by two, they were towing him out the back of the ship. Yeah. He was yeah. in a wheelbarrow. In two, not only does it introduce the amazing hornblower suits for all the main cast, but two also introduces the engineering rubber astronaut. Yes, yes, mm. yeah. It's lovely. It is lovely, though. Yeah. But I do like it's still got all the piping. Um, they've still got this sort of like. Um, the uh, in the in motion picture and all that have got like he's got three stripes on yes. his sleeves and all that. They've still got this little look of that sort of admiralty naval thing going on, which they then fully do so much better in two, three, and four. But um, it's I still kind of love that look. No, oh, I do, I do, and I think it helps that everybody in this is very sexy. Yes, yes, <laughs> utterly sexual. A- absolutely. Um, so the system gets overloaded. Elia runs up to Chekhov and goes, I, yeah. can, I can help you. And um, she wanks him off. <laughs> she kills him. Yeah, and he's like, oh, then, that's much better. Thank you. And then he goes, ah, but my hand still hurts. She kills him and has a wank. And they go, really? Is that what she does? Is that what the Deltons do? And Decker's like, yep. Yep, that's why I was there for nine years. <laughs> uh, yeah, but she heals Chekhov. And he's like, mm. thanks very much. Um, I'm sure there's a Delton in the original series that does the very thing, but she takes the Delton the um, scar. <laughs> she takes the scar off someone, and then it appears on her. Like she she takes the pain and it. But sort then of the like pain Green becomes... Mile. Yes, exactly, exactly. And I'm wondering if that character in the original series is a Delton. I can hear you, Mister Chekhov. My name's John Coffee. This is my friend Fred T. It's got Chekhov in his pocket, is it? Is it? As a pet. As a little mouse. Yeah, As like, a little mouse. Yeah. Check off. Yeah. I love that. He just runs around with a little cotton wheel. Well, you can have Check off's run. Perfect for a mouse. Perfect. Johnny Morris to do the voice. Yeah. <laughs> Has anyone got any siege? <laughs> Hemp siege. No, I want to get fucked. And that was the last episode of Animal Magic. That was the last episode of Animal Magic when they had a mouse on board the Enterprise smoking a reefer. (laughs) And Animal Magic will not be returning next week. Next week, the really (laughs) wild show will begin a new series where Terry Nutkins smokes meth. Oh, my God. (laughs) Terry Nutkins is a line of coke with a giraffe. (laughs) Giraffe You'll have to extend the table. Well, yeah, but you'd have to have the table about 19 foot Well, the giraffe could just lean over the fence. Yeah, do a good snore. And, <laughs> yeah. And then wow. you'd, you'd go into the giraffe enclosure and find that all the um, food had been arranged alphabetically. <laughs> <laughs> all the shit's been arranged like Tetris. Wow. You've been having fun. I'd watch that. <laughs> I'd watch that. BBC, please take note. Um, so the systems get overloaded. Meanwhile, the cloud's firing on them. And the spot's yeah. like, I reckon... 
it's trying to transmit something. I reckon if I transmit something, it's like it has to be read really quickly. You get the yes. bloke from he gets the bloke from the Micro Machines adverts to do it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Terms and conditions apply. It's and, very much that. And you get this very much. It feels like there's a scene like this in every film where Shatner's desperately in need of something to happen. So he's like, oh, and Spark. Now, yeah. Spark. Anytime um, now. And then eventually he sends it and the, the, the blast disappears. It's great, though. I love that bit. So then Decker goes, I reckon that's a warning shot. I do. And Spock goes, but I detect no logic. Uh, uh, ju- there's no emotion there. It's yeah, like, and Decker's all like, let's keep shields up, maybe mm. phases ready. And actually, Kirk's like, well, that could be misinterpreted. Maybe we don't do that. Let's go in utterly blind. Mm. Decker's now going, holy shit, you don't even know your fucking way around the Enterprise. That's and now it. you're doing this. That's that great bit where Decker goes, you you said you wanted to hear it. You know, I'm your officer. I have to give you another opinion. And Shatner goes, that's true. You're right. <laughs> Only, only, only Shatler could deliver those lines. Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? He puts full stops where there aren't full stops. It's just stunning. Though, can I add... I know I know the actor who plays Decker is a wrong one, but can I add fuel to your fire? You know you get really upset about the musker hounds, the horses have to have be ridden. Oh, don't, please, yes. Decker, he can't sit down anywhere. He's got nowhere to sit. No, because Spock next the science desk, and there's nowhere else yes. for the bridge for him to sit. There's... There's no number two seat, is there? It's not like no. in Next Gen where you get the seat next to the captain. No, you're it was right. It's actually annoying me because every time you see the bridge, Decker's just like leaning against something or awkwardly holding on to something. And I'm like, give him a... You must have like... You know those when you're, you're flying in with a pilot on in those yeah. old planes, they used to have a little sh- chair that folded out. Also, well, do you notice when they get the first attack before the, before the second one gets... Um, before Spock saves a day, the ship mm. gets all wobbly and they all fall over a lot. Mm. Um, uh, Kirk's got a little safety harness, a little safety yes. thing that he's... Pop- no one else his has. legs. Yeah, no, no one, one else, else has. has. No. Fuck everyone else. Oh, Unbelievable. Like, give, at least give me one of those walking sticks that turns into a chair that you can just stick yeah, in the ground. At least be give, give me one of those sex stirrups that fucking Coeng's got in his fucking dressing room. <laughs> I'll be in the rubber harness. At least I'll have some fucking traction. Imagine if he goes, oh, I'll just sit in this seat next to Chekhov. And Chekhov's like, no. And he sits in this <laughs> dildo, comes through the floor of it. <laughs> red alert, red alert. It will be when I've finished. Jonathan. Sorry. Filth. So the starship, they fly through a lovely set of visuals. Oh, the visuals. Beautiful. And again... I could totally forgive it, by the way. Any other film, I'd be like, they're just in love with special effects. Like in Thunderball, where they're in love with underwater photography. But in this, I forgive the fact that but they're like... I love... I still watch it now mm. going in there. They're going through that bit, that's mm. mental. No, mm. that bit, that's mental. Yeah. And it goes on and on and on and on. Mm. But what I love is how beautiful, tiny Enterprise flying through mm. all this stuff. And it looks stunning. Yeah. You get that massive sense of mat. You don't get the sense of scale from the cloud thing because it's not really defined at the beginning. No. But then suddenly when they go further and further into it, you're like, oh, is that the middle? No. Mm. Is that the mid? No. And they keep flying through more mental bits of like, what else can we throw effects-wise at yeah, this? Absolutely. And it looks great. Uh, but then you get the alter... It's like we said earlier about the intrigue. You also get the bit of a fear now because Spock, who is your logic man... Yeah. Basically looks up and goes, no starship could generate this energy. And basically is saying, this is really fucking weird and I don't know what it is. Yeah, I don't know what I'm doing, which mm. is for Spock to do that. Yes. You're like, holy shit. Yeah. 
Yeah, even Spock is unsure. And then, to add insult to injury... You do the okie-koki. It's you do weird, the okie-koki and Spock just re- reveals he's got three knobs. Yeah, he tells exactly that's what it's all about. Yeah. And that's, that's what one of the ladies says as he adjusts her hair. That's what it's all about. Anyway, um, a big a probe appears on the bridge. Oh, I love this bit so much. Oh, it's frightening as fuck. It's terrifying. It's so jarring. Mm. It's so loud. Mm. It's really like they amplify that. And I love the fact it's just a column of lightning going around looking at shit. It's a bit like the Tasmanian devils come on board. <laughs> yes, yeah. it really is. It's mental. And Deck is like, don't interact with it. Just, just yeah. he's basically he treats it like it's a wasp. Just stay still. Just it won't go bo- away. <laughs> it won't bother anyone. Yeah, yeah. It's, even it's Chek- ha- even Chekhov's trying to put it under a under a glass. Now that won't work. That's hovering work. over Spock's chips. Get that off. <laughs> over Kirk's pint of cider. He's got. Get off. Get off. Just ignore it. Well, even Spock goes. Hang on. No, I'll deal with this. And then mm. gets like gets buzzed. Gets buzzed. And then it looks at Elia and goes. Oh, man, a bit of that. Yeah. But I like the bit where it sort of scans her and she does this weird contortion act. Oh, it's, oh, yeah. It looks slightly fast forward and it's amazing. Oh, and, then she and then she disappears and her little tricorder just goes plump. Plump on the floor. Right in, right in, right in Kirk's pint. He's like, oh, ah, fuck. God. That's that ruined. That's that ruined. Check off, you have it. <laughs> I, Captain, it was my piss anyway. I prefer sniffs. Oh. Oh, you would, you mm. comic. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. Russian sod. Russian sod. I mean, it, it would make sense if he was Russian because obviously there's a tractor involved with the tractor beam. <laughs> Are you saying there's a big row of turnips behind the Enterprise as yep. it gets tracted? <laughs> it's a washing line with all Kirk's pants on it. <laughs> Spock, Spock, Spock is all leather. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> Sudo hasn't got any underwear. Hello. Well, surely Spock's pants would be vulcanised rubber. It's all Scotty's kilts. <laughs> and his sparrows. <laughs> or his bras. <laughs> and every time Scotty goes near them, she hits him with a broomstick like Nora Batty. Get off. Get off. <laughs> I just want to touch your bras. Scotty's got a matchbox. <laughs> Do you like to look at this, lassie? What is it? I don't know. Nobody should ever know. It's a sort of probe. Um, <laughs> Christ. And what makes me laugh about this, right? Elia's just disappeared. Deck is distraught, right? Yeah. Ship seized by a tractor beam, right? Yeah. Then it gets released, and Kurt yeah. goes, what's going on now? And then there's a woman sat in Elia's chair and goes, ah, we're not in the tractor beam anymore. And I'll be like, where have you come from? Did you just fucking like... appear from? I mean, she isn't even yeah. buried yet. The seat's not even fucking no. cold and you're in there. Yeah. Jesus. Anyway, who promoted you? Yeah. <laughs> she promotes you herself. <laughs> She's like, well, I've got lustrous locks of hair. All right, all right, oh, I don't rub it in. Right. Golden belly. Maybe, maybe Elia should rub it in. She'd have more hair. Also, do you notice they've got guards stood at the back of the oh. edge? And they're like, they're all just, well, they, look, they look like American footballers. Yeah. You've got American footballer guards. Which and is one brilliant. of them had like a Latino name, didn't he? Because when yes. Spock boarded. No, someone, someone later says uh, carbon unit. That's right, cabin like, units. And he's like, well, that means human beings, Ensign Ramirez. Yeah. <laughs> Ensign nice. Breaking Bad. Yeah, yeah it's, I like, it's mental, these little um, American footballer guards they've got. But I like that. When I see that there's like a Latino guard or something, I think this is Roddenberry's 
credo, well, isn't yeah. it? That everybody should be represented on the Enterprise. Well, like, yes, yeah. You've got oh. you've got you've got the Asian contingency with mm. Sulu. You've got you've got your dirty commie mm. with Chekhov. It's lovely. And Leonard Nimoy. And then Nimoy, and you Who's... got the bloke with the you got bloke for the mask with mad eyes. And Gonzo. You got Gonzo, of course. Yeah. Um, anyway, so then Ilya turns up again, but now she's a robot with a voice box. She's like, with the voice box. She's like, I'm about to go to the pub and get pissed. Ah, oh, she's great in this show. That yeah. she's got very little to do, but she's got so much screen to fill. Uh, yeah. To, to, to fill with what mm. she's got, which is just be extremely. Just unemotional, uninterested. But what I love is that they immediately take a sick bay to give her a scan. Oh, yeah. And then Bones is like, God, blimey. I mean, sorry, she's full of nanobots. Well, this is what I've written down here. Spock suggests a thorough investigation of the probe, and Bones yeah. says, Whoa, bloody Laura. <laughs> oh, look at that. So they give her a damn good probe, uh, like, you know, looking around. They're like, Yeah, she's, she's an exact replica of her. I think but she... she's not her, she's entirely robot. Yeah, when she steps out of that little shower thing where she first appears, we should get the Babs Windsor theme from Carrie Laborde. That. Why is it that when Vija takes her originally via the uh, probe the meow, 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 that goes around the Enterprise. Mm. She's in proper Starfleet uniform. Yeah. When she comes back, she's in a small, dress. T- small toweling robe. Yeah. <laughs> that's how they, that's what Vija thinks, bring her back. Yeah, Vija has no understanding of um, emotion or logic or anything, yet sends back a sex pot. But he gets the fucking horn like the rest of us in here, right, Vija? God, blimey! <laughs> um, yeah, she's a robot replica. Yeah. She's been sent by the entity, they're calling it, which mm. calls itself Feature. Feature. To study carbon units. Yes. Now, she's a bit obsessed with carbon units. <laughs> I mean, she's talking about knobs, isn't she? Do you, do you, reckon, she's, do you reckon it's all knob-based? All knob-based. All knob. Uh, but she's here to find the creator. But I love the idea. She wanders mm. around the Enterprise. She's shown loads of stuff. And she basically cannot compute that humans are just getting in the way of how the mechanical machine works. Yeah. It's a lovely idea. because, And it's not because they're an irritant and should be destroyed. No. She just doesn't know what the, they are. Vija doesn't know what Vija that is. Vija has no idea because Vija can only sort of measure machines. Whereas yeah. I, guess, I guess people, what they're trying to say is that people are more complicated. And they keep trying to go, no, but we help the machine work. And she's like, mm. well, that, that, how does that work? How does that comprehend? work? Because the machines yeah. just work on their own, surely. Exactly. It's... Just lovely. It's a lovely thought. I like when Decker's like, this is our recreation room, which just mm. looks like a sex room. It does. It's and just the game carpeted. he shows her sounds a bit like, well, you get strapped in here and I'll whip your ass here. Oh. <laughs> and he goes, Ilium was rather fond of this one, which mm. is why you put your hands on a glowing panel and then you make Superman's Fortress of Solitude appear. Yeah. By the way, Crystals um, rise up going, by the way, Ilya got all the drinks in all the time. In, in the rec room. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely your round. Yeah. I think Ilya said, I think she said to me that she'd rather die than let anyone else buy a drink. Yeah, she said she, mm. she I, I, listen, when uh, carbon units like to relax with Romulan nails all round. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So you show her around and she's, and that, what I love is she's really interested in looking and then she's like, this serves no purpose. Ooh. Oh. Then they try and put a little bandana on her and she looks stupid. I love that bit. Do you? But she I put here, so it's stupid. like putting a baseball cap on a monitor while you're watching Pornhub. Because ah, 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 they put ah, 
They put a little, a little um, head garb on her. A little head garb. It's like putting clogs underneath a grandfather clock. Okay, there you go. <laughs> it's basically that bit in the Man with Two Brains where he puts wax lips on the jar exactly. of the brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and then she's like, oh, maybe I am a beautiful Lilia woman. And then, no, I'm still no. there. Blah, 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 blah. That's a shame. We just buffed up your head. <laughs> yeah, we so, used tight. We spent two minutes putting turtle wax on that. <laughs> Mr. Miyagi came in. He did it all. <laughs> Meanwhile, Spock is intrigued by this thing. Yeah. So he, he 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 does a Vulcan grip. Yeah, on one of the little innocent members of the crew, just going about their day. Yeah, and he gets in a little space suit and goes does a spacewalk into the vessel's interior. Well, this is this is the first in many of um, Spock's. Um, I'm going to completely and utterly um, disrespect any sense of order and just yeah. do what the fuck I want. I'm going to try and kill myself. <laughs> yeah. Does it two films in a row? He does it two films in a row, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He flies into the, He tries to do a mind meld, but of course, because there's so much power and so much information, it nearly kills him. Yeah, but first he goes to the most trippiest, beautiful sequence oh, ever, doesn't it's he? It's very 2001, isn't it? Ah, oh, which is which was mm. which was their reason d'etre? They were like, we must make it look a bit like that, or close encounters. Yeah. Um, but it's so beautiful, it it's so amazing, beautiful. it's ma- and it just adds to the madness of it all. Just mm. what the fuck is this? The bit where he's like, I'm seeing like all the planets that this Vija has um, made carbon copies of that is collected in its database. He says, I've just it's watched amazing. every episode of Campion. I just watched. Every episode of Fresh Fields and French Fields. And then I then must mind screaming. meld I must mind meld with Julian McKenzie. Ah! I got Anton Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> also the aperture that they go through is a big meta lane. It's a big meta It's a big meta Yeah, and also that the Viager itself when it goes moving looks like a big dong. Looks like a big dong. Big dong, big anus. Not as much as the big dong as the one in um Voyage Big home, bad dong. No. The one who comes does that Rick and Morty thing of where show me your whales. That is a big dong. And I yeah. it, I, I presume the race that were coming back was Hitler because it only had one ball. Yeah, yeah, one ball that was rotating around it. <laughs> I like to think that thing goes around to every space to every star system and goes, Show me the whales you got. Yeah. I haven't got any. Well, you're, turns I'll kill on, you then. Turns up on the Klingon home world. They're like, what the fuck are whales? <laughs> Destroy. Yeah. But I like that bit. I like the jetpack bit with um, oh, Spock trying to time beautiful. it. And you've got the little countdown bit. All those little attentions to detail make yeah. it um, as realistic as it can somehow be and for I, a mental sci-fi. And luckily love for Spock, that. when he re-emerges from the anus. From the big anus. He's, he's rescued by Kirk. Oh, but Kirk's just waiting for him. It's, it's like, oh man, it's like, a best, it's like a little lost dog just waiting for his mate. And you know, this is why, you know when they rebooted Star Trek... Where however many years ago, yeah, and then they did the Star Trek Into Darkness. You know where they gave themselves the complete blank canvas of a new universe, and then yeah. just copied another film again. Yeah, you don't buy that that Spock and Kirk are mates. No. Whereas by the end of this film, even you're like, well, they're clearly very close. So you... when you get to Wrath of Khan, spoiler alert, when something something happens, you're just like, that's really heartbreaking. But you get you. St- I think I, I'm. You know, it it could have weirdly. I mean, it would never happen. But obviously, McCoy could have um, sacrificed himself mm. in Star Trek Two. Um, you get that be- that lovely relate. It's you know the Spock bones 
relationship is just be is so beautiful. It is. It's really beautifully is. played out. Even yeah. to row, row, row your boat, all that stuff. Yeah, it's just so well done. It's just mm. best mates who argue a bit, but they fucking will do anything for each other. Love it. Um, I just love it so much. The fact that Kirk's just hovering in his little jetpack, waiting, and Spock comes in. That lovely bit where he just sort of cradles him. Mm. Oh, and then takes it's him, and then of course you get Spock. Laughing. Doing what Spock never does, laughing and yeah. and all that, because um, and then finally sort of revealing that he's actually sort of undergone his um, fun pile, whatever it is that he's mm. sort of got a bit, and then does that little thing and does that lovely soliloquy about this 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 questioning robot child that doesn't know what love and touch is. Where he grabs he grabs Shatner's he hand and goes. Hand. He doesn't know. So yeah, grabs out his hand. He goes. He doesn't know what this is. What? What? Well, he also says is. that this simple act would be beyond Vija's comprehension. Yeah, but he's Meaning taking that, Kirk's trousers down at that point. Yeah, <laughs> he was spanking his ass <laughs> with a copy of the Woman's Weekly. Yeah, that's mm. ridiculous. No, let's not cheapen it. No. Let's not cheapen it. It's lovely. He, this no. simple thing he doesn't understand. It's mm. so beautifully done. But he's also saying that Vija is completely. It's got no emotion whatsoever. It's yeah, it's got nothing. Purely operating on logic, which is why he chimes in with it so well, because he's got that, but he's also got the human side of him. Exactly, and, and can see he's, been tr- he's been trying to purge it at the beginning of the film. It's just mm. a beautiful, cyclical thing. Yeah. Done it, very well. Yeah, done Not very Roddenberry. Well. I bet Roddenberry didn't write that. No, he would have been, um, uh, Jim, uh, the captain, uh, the Vija doesn't understand this, and like sticks a pine cone up his ass and goes... <laughs> Yeah, we yeah we, we 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 might cut that bit from the script actually, Gene. <laughs> I mean, Gene's Gene's scene where Kirk sticks his dick out of the window and shouts and shouts, "I'm making a popsicle, Willy popsicle." <laughs> bit weird. Yeah, we're gonna yeah, put a red line through that bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. there's a bit where he goes, Jim. Vita doesn't understand this, and and summons Scotty, and then Spot lamps him with his cock. <laughs> Vita doesn't understand that. <laughs> Puts one of those party blowers up his ass and goes, <laughs> Vija has no concept of that, Jim. He says, Vija has a concept of this. Points, and Scotty's got enormous testicles. <laughs> and he's kind and of f- rolling around on them. And Fosper tits and he's in his black belt. <laughs> Vija doesn't understand that. Spock, what are you, what are you trying to say? <laughs> Jim, Vija doesn't understand this. Cut to bones shaved in a canoe. With <laughs> two cornetto sticking out of his eyes. Reader doesn't understand that, you see. <laughs> what, Vija doesn't understand being a cunt? <laughs> no, he doesn't! <laughs> oh, God. Uh, anyway, it's a lovely scene. It's a beautiful scene. It's a lovely scene. Forget everything we just said, but it's yeah, a lovely scene. It is a lovely scene. So Vija is then radioing, for want of a better word, which is actually what he is doing. We find out how later. Yeah, shortwave radio. Yeah, for its creator on Earth. It's now sort of floating over Earth. No response after a few seconds. So it fires a couple of some blasts out that hover over Earth. People of Earth might be in a, bit, in a bath. They might be asleep. Yeah, or just... Don't give them any time. Having a shit. And this is a new bit, isn't it? Because you see mm. a portion of the actual ship that's hovered above her yes. blasting out those things. Because that's not in the original at all. No, it's not, no. It's it done very beautiful. well in the yeah. new one. It, they, they, they've taken very good care to not show all of it. And it's very well done. Oh, I should have said earlier as well, when Kirk arrives at Starfleet, that's been really tidied up because that looked like Beautifully shit. tidied up, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. So, yeah, so the, the probes could dev- devastate the surface of the planet. Yeah, the probes have been strategically placed mm. around the Earth a bit like to do the final detonation. And now there's essentially a countdown going on. There's it? one over Wales. There's one over Wales. There's one over Tanzaniki. There's one over the Falklands, but uh-huh. Mrs. Sutter disputes that. Yeah. She said it was going away from the Falklands. There's one under an old man's hat. <laughs> yeah, there's one near Tom Selleck. Oh. So Spock pulls Kirk aside and says, Sir, uh, Jim, sorry, because he's now calling him Jim. Up until his event with the probe, he was being yes. very emo- yeah, emotionless. Captain, 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 yeah. Yeah, but now it's Jim. He says, Vija, uh, sorry, Vija is a child. It should be treated as such. And then it starts kicking off. And that's when Bone says, your child is having a it's tantrum, having a tantrum, Mr. Spock. Oh, I love that bit. Mm. Again, Bone's brief lines are beautiful. But then Kirk goes all super nanny and goes, right, everybody off the bridge. <laughs> We're going to ignore this. And Vija's like, who's still Elia at this point, by the way. She's like, well, where are you going? What's going on? Well, she's, yeah, she's the she sort of conduit of Vija, isn't she? Mm. Yeah, she's the conduit of Vija going, explain yourself. And he's like, no. Yeah. Give me the information. No. No. Oh. And he goes, well, I can give the information, but I'd rather not give it to a probe. I'd rather give it to the feed yeah, himself. Yeah, need to deliver it. Need to deliver it to the bastard mm. himself. But this is standard Kirk, isn't it? Um, mm. Gamble. Gamble moves. Mm. And obviously because he's Captain Kirk and because it's sci-fi, because it's Star Trek, they always work. Yeah. And Elia basically takes the handbrake off and they begin floating towards the... The eye of the storm, if you like. And you still get another 10 minute sequence of them getting further in mm. and further in. It's more mental again. Oh, it's like, it's what the fuck? Mm. And then behold Vija. And you're like, what the fuck? So Kirk says, well, me, Spock, and Bones are going. And then Decker goes, actually, I want to go as well. Yeah, and he's like, mm, fine. Right, fine. Then. All right. So at the center of the ship, they, they find the probe in the middle, and it is literally a satellite. And guess what, Paul? Oh, man. What a twist. But do you know what? I think it's a really good twist. It's incredible. I think it's fucking great. And I've watched this many times, and even I get slightly stymied and surprised by mm. the, oh, I know what the fucking thing is. Mm. But I go, that's mental, Vija. It's just because the bit was muddy. Muddy. <laughs> a, bit yeah. of the, a bit of the template with Voyager written on it was muddy. Mm. So therefore, it's Vija. It's Vija, a 20th century Earth space probe believed to have been lost in a black hole. Yeah, and it's been tra- it, it fulfilled its um, criteria set yeah. by NASA, mm-hmm. and um, it went probably. They say it probably went through a wormhole or something. They do, mm. uh, you know, general generic sci-fi thing. Mm. Probably went through, and the first planet it probably came to was a planet made entirely of machines. Yeah, and they accepted it as one of their own. So this is and a bit of a kind of wanted, cargo it, cult plot. Yeah, it, really? yeah. exactly. And mm. it wanted to know everything and where, um, um, the life, the universe and everything to be Douglas Adams. Mm. It wants to know all of that. And then ultimately it comes up with the ultimate question, who am I and um, where am I from? Ah, mm. oh, it's a beautiful concept That's idea. Incredible. I mean, the, like I say, the original writer um, loathed it. And um, obviously when Gene Rodney wrote it, they go to a pool party and fucking Peter Sellers is there with an elephant or something. Um, it's, you know... Mm. Um, and it, it was only Robert Wise who went, I think that's a brilliant idea. It's a great idea. It's, I think it's a brilliant and it's, idea. And as I said to you on WhatsApp recently, it's the most trekky plot of all these films, apart it's... from, weirdly, I think this and five are the most... This and Finding God, yeah. yeah. This and Finding God. I, I also love the bit where they where they go, how are we going to get to Vija? And Vija provides them with a little hexagonal beehive 
path. And I love that bit. I like the way how it's all uneven just as it gets to the bit, the the lip over where he is. Yeah. Um, and they walk it from the from the lip from the. From the disc of the Enterprise, have to come out a little fucking like bay window with the Enterprise and do and do a walk. Yeah, it looks oh, beautiful. beautiful. It's so beautiful. But they realise when they get close to it that you have to, a human has to be on hand to do it because the, the cables have kind of been trimmed or they need to be put together like a hot two, wire situation. Two, two cables have been severed maybe during yeah. its flight or whatever. And I love mm. the way that Vija is talking with mm. just electricity. It's noises. the teacher from Charlie Brown. Sir, yeah, but I love all that. I mm. love all that. And then and they go, and so you got that lovely bit where Kirk says to Uhura, bring me your information from um, Earth's NASA Voyager project and get me the final coordinates of, you know, so the answer to all the questions is like 189530 yeah. or something stupid. And mm. even that's not enough for Vija. No. Basically, once it basically says, I want a human. Well, the only way you can really, it. yeah, the only way mm. you can really know is to become one with its creator. Mm. And they go, well, <sighs> Decker, you've probably got nothing else to do now in this franchise because you're about to become a nonce in the yeah. future. Well, he says, Captain, I want to stay. I want this. He says, mm. I want this. Because I once saw Ilya's knickers on a line <laughs> outside the Enterprise. God blimey. They weren't half small. Oh. Um, so he he does it. So then, Decker offers himself. He merges with the Elia probe, which is a lovely yeah. little effect, isn't it? With the air blowing up. Oh, and... it's beautiful. Oh. Yeah, it's like the beginning of Quantum Leap. They nick exactly. that exactly. They did nick that. But you've got that lovely special effect again, which they did with the Faraday cage, the electricity zooming mm. around them, and his hair all blowing up. So it's lovely. Decker merges with, it, disappears. Then Vija asks a question: Who's been looking at the dodgy porn? <laughs> So with Earth saved, Kirk directs the Enterprise out to space for another mission. Oh. And they ask him, and, and, and why I think the Undiscovered Country is the perfect ending of the Trek films, because it almost echoes this. Yes. yes. If you remember at the end of Undiscovered Country, he says, second star on the light, on the right straight until morning. Yeah. And this one, he just goes, out there. That away. That away. Lovely, isn't it? Yeah. It's so lovely. It's such an incredible film. Um, there you go. There you go. Well, thank oh. you, thank you very much for putting up with us for a uh, two middle-aged men talking about a Star Trek episode. Oh. Uh, but we might do this every now and then because it's boring to just be tied to Bond stuff when we can talk about other things. Sorry, um, we're tied as a sweet. We're tied via Columbo. Columbo's done it for Columbo us. Columbo probably would do it for all of them. Uh, but thank you very much, Paul, for talking about. You're Star Trek welcome, John. It was an absolute joy to talk about uh, motion picture with you. Wonderful. Well, we'll see you again soon. Goodbye. Bye.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.